Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we just believe, God, even today, Lord, we thank you that things are, are uh, just shifting. Lord, we pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that uh, literally God as a body and as individuals that we're coming in agreement with what you're saying in this season, this hour, and this time. And, uh, Father, we do pray, God, that it would rain. God, as we've been praying this morning, Lord, we pray that it would not only rain, God, in this region, but, Lord, it would rain in our homes. God, that it would rain in our businesses, that it would rain in our lives. Lord, we just thank you for just... Uh, the windows of heaven being opened up in every way, God, over our lives so we can encounter you in a fresh way in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, thank you for your anointing. Do only what you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, listen, if you're uh, taking notes this morning, we are going to wrap up uh, part four of our current series that we've been calling the Prayer Initiative. And I want to maybe take a second and give you uh, just uh, a quick recap. So, Basically, the previous three weeks, the first week, we talked about uh, a lot of things, but, but one of the main things there was we talked about Isaiah chapter 58 with the type of fast that the Lord requires. Then the next week, which was the second week, uh, we talked about praying four courageous prayers. And uh, the, the cool thing about these four courageous prayers is, is they're a guarantee to get you out of your comfort zone. Yes? Can I get an amen on that? And then basically not only did we uh, you know, pray that, and then last week we began to pray about basically the eight biblical reasons that our prayers go unanswered. Now, I say that to say this. As I was preparing for today's message, uh, I began to look at those two different lists between those things that we've talked about the previous two weeks. And I just realized, man, it is, it is absolutely impossible to really pray what's on that list with the open heart without somehow, some way, ultimately, you're, you're going to run into some spiritual warfare at some level. It's going to happen. And so, you know, I just kind of felt in my heart as I was preparing this that, uh, you, you know, there's people that are in here that you've been praying, you know, you've been fasting and praying, you've been doing some, some things different in your life. And, and some of the things that... Uh, as you've been praying, I'll say it this way. It's just stirred up some stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just stirred up stuff. And, and some of it's absolutely new. You've never faced it before. You've never seen it before. You were almost like, whoa, where in the world did that even come from? And, and then, there's, then there's these other people that as you've been fasting and praying, you've ran into a familiar foe. Right, a familiar obstacle, a familiar wall that you've uh, faced in the past, but you've never really been able to get victory over it. And I just want to encourage you in this. So often when, we, when we're praying and we're just going after God with everything we got, and we hit those difficult spots, it's so easy to get discouraged and just want to quit. Right? It's so easy to go, man, I've, I've been to this point before. It's like I've almost I've come this far and I never went any further. And we get so discouraged because we don't know how to press through that, we just quit. I want to encourage you today to uh, dig your heels in a little bit deeper, press in a little bit deeper, you know, grab a hold of your faith, keep fighting. And I, I just believe if you do that, you're going to get victory. Yes? Because Jesus has already made the way, right? It's so great that we don't, that we as a people, we don't strive for victory, we work from victory. So Jesus has already done it. We just got to grab a hold of what he's doing move with him. Amen. All right. So today what I want to do is I want to spend actually a little bit of time and I want to talk about uh, spiritual warfare. All right. In fact, I'm going to need three volunteers. So let's just do this real quick because this way I'm looking. Uh, Noah, come here. David, come here. And Ryan, right? Come here. Ryan's like, man, I'm I'm new. Come on. Pick up three guys here. If you can, Noah, I just want you to stand here in the middle. David, just because I just love you, I want you to be over here. And, uh, and Ryan, because you're the new guy, I'm going to stick you over here, and you'll get one in a second, all right? I apologize beforehand. Here we go. 
Yep, David, if you can go right here, that'd be awesome. All right, so watch this. So, so when we begin to talk about spiritual warfare, the first thing that we need to really wrap our head around is this, is, is we need to think about uh, what war is in the first place. What is war? And uh, if you can, uh, you know, Noah's pretty tall there. Uh, I'm saying that because we're like the same height, and we're just super tall people. So uh, he's going to duck down a little bit so you can read the screen. But, but war is a conflict that occurs. So what is war? War is a conflict that occurs when one party seeks to gain by force something that another party will not willingly concede, or when both parties desire to possess a thing that cannot be mutually shared. I'm going to read that last part again. Basically, war is what? When both parties desire to possess a thing that cannot be mutually shared. So good, isn't it? Listen, when we bring that definition into biblical language, we begin to understand that the conflicting parties of this spiritual warfare are this. That you have God, told you I love you, right? That you got God and his holy angels on one side. And these guys, what? They represent the kingdom of God and they represent everything that we know is good, right? And then on the other side, I apologize to you, you, you have Satan and his demons, right? And, and, and we know Satan and demons, they make up and they represent the kingdom of darkness. And, and basically everything that we know is evil is found in that, that spot, right? So now the one thing uh, that's in the middle, in fact, I would just ask you, what is the one thing in the middle that cannot be mutually shared? It is us. It's people. Are you with me today? So listen, so on one hand, there's this God of the universe who created us in his image and he loves us with an unconditional love. In fact, we know that we, that we are the very object of his attention and we're the object of his affection, right? And then on the other hand, there's Satan, once again, the fallen angel who is filled with hatred and he's filled with jealousy towards us. Why? Because once again, because God loves us with the unconditional love and we're the object of his affection. Are you with me? Listen, so over here, once again, God longs to bring us into relationship with him. We know that's why he sent his son. And while over here, once again, Satan is doing everything he can to keep us from that relationship, don't miss this, by imparting darkness and corruption in our hearts and minds. Because ultimately, the Bible says in in, uh, Revelation chapter 12 that this guy knows his time is short. So we know he is doing everything he absolutely can in his own power to somehow bring as many people to hell with him. Right now, here's what's crazy: it is most people in in uh, you know most people in Rockport, most people in Camden, you know Hope, whatever name the region around here in the Mid Coast region. Most people they they are walking around and uh, basically their everyday life, and they're absolutely clueless, oblivious to the invisible war that is not only raging around them, but is also raging for their very souls. Right, so here's if I can just kind of insert a, a little small thought here. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that say this. Well, if God is over here and God is so strong and so powerful and so mighty, if he's so much greater than the enemy, then why doesn't he just step on the kingdom of darkness and squash it like a bug? But, but here's what you've got to understand. Once again, theologically, you've got to understand this. Is God more powerful? Absolutely. But, but when it comes to this war, this entire war is basically an ebb and flow of what? It ebb and flows on the free wills of humans. Right? And so because when God created us, he created us, once again, with the free will. So we have a choice, right? And that's why the war is going. So if you kind of imagine this, that here's Noah in the middle representing humanity. No pressure, right? That, that here he is, that it's like this. You know, will, will he receive God's leadership or will he lean this way and refuse God's divine rule in his life? You know, you know he's saying this, that, that as humans, will we believe God at his word, will we take him at his word and will we believe it, or will we reject his divine grace and his divine truth? Listen, and that's happening every day in our actions. 
Yes? It's literally, right there, if you can understand that, there, right there lies the struggle for all humanity. It's in our free wills. Now, here's what I think is so wild about all this, is at one point in our life, in fact, if you could just maybe just step that way, at, at, at one point in our lives in this room, even though we, you and I in this room, we were completely, uh, you know, unaware of the, <laughs> just love on Jesus there a little bit, that, that, we were, that we were completely unaware of this invisible war that was going on around us. Watch this. That at the very moment that we said yes to Jesus, we said, yes, be my Lord, be my Savior. At that moment, we simultaneously enlisted, or maybe the better word if you're, if you're from uh, this era would be drafted into the army of God. Now, now, here's what's so neat about this, is uh, listen, to, listen to how Paul expressed this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. He's talking to Timothy. He says, you therefore must endure hardship as a what? Come on, say it like you mean it. As a what? Good soldier of Jesus Christ. He says, no soldier in active service. If you have a New King James Version, it's going to say, basically, no soldier in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of the civilian life so that he may please the one, talking about God, who enlisted him as a soldier. So I want to ask you today, what is the purpose of an army? What's the purpose of a soldier? It's to do what? It's to fight, right? Listen, armies and and soldiers are trained to prepare to fight and to win wars. And I want you to know today while we step into this, listen, church, we are no different Right? The moment that we accepted Christ, we stepped into this army, and God is trying to train us and trying to prepare us to fight so we can win wars against that guy. That guy. <laughs> Give these guys a hand as they go grab a seat. Good job. Thank you. You're good. I want you to know that was talent that you guys just saw on display right there. Pure talent. I'm telling you, Oscars are on the way. All right, so... Listen, here's the kind of thought I want to give you, and, and we're going to get rolling here, is, is if you and I, right, as people who just absolutely love God, there, there's, there's no one in this world that says, you know, this really uh, experienced forgiveness and all that says, man, I, I love Jesus, that doesn't in return want to do their best for him in return. So if, if, we, if we realize that we're in the army of God, if we realize that we're soldiers of God, then in our hearts, guess what? We want to be effective soldiers for the kingdom of light. Amen? So, so I want to give you a few things. This is a deep subject that, that we could talk about for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I try my best to kind of bring it down, simplify it, and hit some highlights. But I want to give you three things that I believe that we, that we need, three essential things, that if we're going to uh, be effective soldier in God's army. All right? You ready to take notes? Number one is this, is we need to learn, number one, we need to learn how to recognize our enemy. We need to learn to recognize our enemy. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 6.12. Says, for we are not fighting flesh and blood enemies. Let me give you a translation right here. We're not fighting people. I hope you hear this. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark place, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. In other words, we're fighting the enemy of our souls. Yes? So listen, the reason I feel like this is important to say is because we as people can spend uh, so much time being frustrated and bent out of shape when people do things that we don't agree with. Listen, it it really doesn't matter if these people are Christians or not. It doesn't even really matter if we know them or not. It's almost like too often if we don't agree with someone about something that they believe or some moral standard they have or some political stance they have, what do we do? We get all aggravated, impatient, and, and we get all twisted up in knots, and guess what? We get offended. 
Right? And, and I would dare to say, watch this menu, guys. When, when uh, Mr. Bill said a while ago, he said, look, if there's something in your heart that you need, th- th- that was basically that, that you've made that person your enemy if you have not forgiven them. Because you, somewhere along the line, you, you got, once again, you, you just disagreed with them. And I want you to know today that when we get in that spot, guess what happens? When we get in that spot, we're so frustrated and aggravated. And I'll tell you, if, if this is you, if you sit at home and you complain and you gripe to everybody in your family about so-and-so that, that you never even met... Okay, then we're talking about you. Okay, so, so and I want you to know that if you're doing that, man, the enemy sits back and he laughs at you. And I'm going to tell you why. Watch this. The reason he laughs at you is because his plan worked. Let, let me explain this to you. And I think this is so cool. The other day I, I, I read something about cowboys and Indians. Okay, cowboys and Indians. I wasn't seeking cowboys and Indians. I was just, I ran across it. Cowboys and Indians that, that shows really the strategy of the devil to a T. It's perfect. Watch this. Um, basically, they said this, that in the Wild West, when, when you had the cowboys, basically, you know, they're, they're in their line, right? And they got their covered wagons, and they're going along. And, and when Indians, basically, you know, that they'd get them into place, almost funnel them, and they would ambush them. You know what I'm talking about? We've all seen Westerns, right? And, and so when they would go to ambush them, uh, they literally said that, that the Indians would be intentional about shooting flaming arrows at them. In other words, that that's what they would intentionally start with was arrows that were on fire. And obviously we know because we've seen Westerns, we see some of them, you know, hit the wagon and the wagon catches on fire. And, and the, the reason uh, that it was, they didn't shoot these things. Don't miss this. They didn't shoot these fiery arrows uh, intentionally to kill people. That they, they actually shot them in hopes that it would distract them. Watch this, because once again, while the arrows are flying and they're watching and then their, their stuff's catching on fire and they're trying to put it out, what, what, what the plan was of the enemy is he was trying to get them more concerned with the fire that they were seeing uh, that they would basically uh, miss the enemy that was trying to attack them. Are you guys, am I making sense? So here's the point. If the enemy can, uh, through his fiery darts or fiery arrows, right, if he can start watching a little fire, uh, in our family, if he can start a, a little fire with one of our friends, if he can start a little fire at work or if at school, or if he can start, start a little fire at our church, if he can start a little fire in our city, or even a, a big old fire that we have in our nation, like all over the spot, if he can start these fires, then what happens is, is he can get us so distracted or gets us so distracted by the things that we can't see that we forget to look for the things that we typically can't see, which is him. Right, And so what happens is he takes our eyes off that and he gets us so riled up and he gets us offended at each other. And then what happens is, is when he does that, guess what? He's free to run rampant and, and continue to just you know, mess up stuff behind the scenes. And it means this, basically, that the more we disregard the enemy, the more we're distracted with each other, guess what? The more damage he causes. It's like the more that we ignore him, that if I'm mad at sister so-and-so because she said da-da-da-da-da about me, then guess what? Then, then the kingdom of darkness continues to progress unchecked and unharmed. Am I making sense to you today? Basically, I'm telling you this, is that church, we, we need to quit making the mistake. And I'm here to tell you, I do the same thing, okay? I'm, talk, I'm preaching to myself really good today, okay? That, 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 listen, we need to quit making the mistake of thinking that our enemy is people. We need to realize that the real enemy that we're facing is the evil spirits that's motivating those people to do the things that they're doing, right? And uh, so basically all I'm saying is this. We need to make sure we're attacking the right enemy. To kind of give you a, a you know, biblical reference here, remember when Paul uh, was, was out preaching, right? Paul was doing his thing, and it said for days this girl followed him. 
right? And she kept declaring what she was declaring was truth. These are servants of the Most High God. These are servants of the Most High God. These are, they know the way. These are servants of the Most High God. Paul finally got so irritated. What did he do? The Bible says that he turned around. He didn't rebuke the girl. He didn't say, lady, shut up. Go home, right? He, he rebuked the spirit that was in her. Am I right? So, so what happens is, listen, when we're dealing with conflict, we need to go to the prayer closet and we need to begin to rebuke the spirits that are behind things. Because I'm going to tell you our natural tendency, and, and, and I've been guilty of it too. We get hurt, we want to go some, tell somebody I hurt. <laughs> they said this about me. We're making that person our enemy. Let me tell you what she said. Right? Number two. Second thing, if we're going to be good soldiers in this army, is number two, and this is more lengthy, we need to recognize our battlefield need to recognize our battlefield. Uh, this is really important here. As Christians, so often we spend time, you know, afraid of the enemy. And I, and, I, and I want you to know today that the enemy, biblically, theologically, does not have any power. Here's why. Because the Bible says that when he got kicked out of heaven and all of his angels with him, they lost all their power. But here's what they do have working for them. They still have the ability to influence and harass people. Okay, this is key. Don't miss this. Okay? And, and where, do they, where do they harass and where do they influence people? It's in our minds. Okay? But I want to show you basically, I'm going to talk about two battlefields here. The, the first one I'm going to give broader, and then we're going to go small. And the first one is this. First, the first battlefield is basically regions. It could even be nations. Now, let me show you how the enemy works because... Uh, anybody that thinks the enemy is stupid is stupid. All right? He, he is, man, he's organized and he's strategic. He, he knows how to get it done. He's been doing it a long time, right? And, uh, and so I'll just say this. You know, I'm not the kind of guy that runs around and thinks the devil's behind every tree. I, I think that's immature. Okay? Are y'all, y'all following me? So don't be that person, okay? Um, I think a mature believer knows how to focus on Jesus. All right? And, and, and that's their center point. But, but it doesn't mean that you don't ever acknowledge the enemy, okay? Um, and, and I think it's silly to, to think that the enemy's weak and cheesy and, you know, and, and to make fun of him, mock him. Don't do that. Respect your enemy. Okay? Y'all following me? It's, uh, anyways, I'll say it this way. It's like, it's like when, what happens when you, when you don't respect your enemy you turn your back on him, and you act like he's not a big deal. If you're facing your enemy, you're going to face him. And if you need to move somewhere, you're going to move like this. And you're going to keep an eye on him. Are you, are you with me? Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm watching you. So, <laughs> so let me show you how this happens in a region. Watch this. If, if demonic spirits can come into a region, and if they can get enough people, watch this, to come into agreement, okay, with the thoughts, let's say, let's say that they'll come into a region and, and, and they begin to, begin to try to influence and harass people with thoughts of lust. Maybe it's thoughts of perversion. Maybe it's thoughts of anger, of hatred, of racism. Maybe it's thoughts of division, right? Are you, are you, are you with me? It, it could even be uh, what we fight here, thoughts of this intellectual thing, all right? And so what happens is, is, is if they can come, they can begin to influence people. And, enough, and if enough people begin to buy in 
to what the enemy is selling and they begin to act on it, then what happens is, is the moment they begin to act on it, it begins to open up spiritual gateways, spiritual doors. And, and then what happens from that is as those doors begin to open, guess what? That that gives the enemy uh, the authority he needs to put strongholds in that region. Are you all with me? So once again, so he doesn't have power to rule over someone, but he does have power to influence. And if somebody can come and if somebody comes in agreement with what he's influencing, and it gives him power. Are you following me? So here's what's wild, and here's kind of where you know it is is eventually when strongholds begin to be set up in cities and regions that literally people who will come into that region, and, and let's say that they don't struggle with lust, they don't struggle with hate, that, but, but they'll find themselves uh, literally having to fight that spirit, and they'll find themselves being tempted to do things that they wouldn't normally be tempted to do. Right? And, and you know, I'll give you an example. I remember, um, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, Jen and I went down to Portland, and, uh, and we went to the mall. Only time I've ever been to the Portland Mall. And, and you, know, I, you know, I was looking for a date night with my wife. Spiritual stuff really wasn't on the agenda. You know what I'm saying? And so just went on my mind. I was wanting to hang out. Man, we didn't have any kids. Let's have some fun, right? So we decided to go to the mall, and I think we were going to go in there originally to eat. And I saw a sports store up, you know, basically I think it was on the second floor, and I go to the sports store, and I'm hanging out in there. <clears throat> and while I'm in there, man, I'm starting to feel so, um, like, jittery, like, anxious, and, and you, you know, like, it was just like, man, what is going on with me? I was like, typically, you know, you're rolling there, you, you know, look at what they're selling for the Patriots, whatever. You know, you just kind of do your thing, right? And just, I was just looking for a relaxing time. But, man, I just, I was so worked up on the inside. I literally went to Jen and said, Jen, I, we got to leave. Now, in my head, I wasn't, I, I was just like, I don't know what's going on with me. And we got in the car and we drove out of the, out of the, uh, out of the mall parking lot and it lifted. And I went, oh, that's what was happening. <laughs> Didn't realize it. I remember the first time I went to New Orleans. <sighs> You'll find you something there. All right, so. But, but listen, if I could give you maybe a, a perfect glimpse of this. Once again, I know some of us need stuff biblically. Let me give you a perfect glimpse into this battlefield as far as in a region. And it's one that Daniel lived in. Listen to Daniel chapter 10. It says, then he, it's talking about an angel, basically an angel uh, basically came to Daniel, and here's what he said. He said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. And he said, I've come in answer to your prayer. So first day, God was ready to give the answer, right? And then it says, in verse 13, it says, But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, in other words, the demonic principality that got all those people to buy into what he was selling, guess what? He became the prince of Persia. And it says this, that he began to block the way. In other words, he had such a grip on the region that literally that the angels who are ministering spirits to God's people could not get through that atmosphere. And he was in a battle and a fight with him. And it goes on to say that the archangel Michael... Right, that, that literally had to intervene and fight so the answer could come. Wow, huh? So let me kind of give you an example here because you know, I've been thinking, okay, what, what, can I, what can I somehow relate this to? Uh, some of you guys that are here today, you, you, you know, you've lived down in North Carolina and you lived in Fayetteville. Well, um, for you guys that have been in the military, you even know this. Uh, year, years ago, uh, Fayetteville got a nickname. It was called Fayetnam, right? 
And the reason they called it Vietnam is because there was such uh, an insane amount of violence and anger and lust in the city. They began to call it that. And, and so here's what's, here's what's so wild about this. Uh, all of that was running rampant until a, uh, a mayor who was a Christian got into office. And uh, he began to call uh, pastors in the area to basically, let's come together and let's pray. And let's pray against these things. And here's what happened. Those pastors begin to get in unity. And they begin to pray what we know in Matthew 16, 19, where Jesus says that he gives you the power to do what? To bind and to loose, right? So what happens is these guys begin to bind the spirits of violence. And they begin to loose the love of God. <laughs> Right? Watch this. They begin to bind uh, lust and begin to release purity. They begin to bind unbelief and begin to release faith. For despair, they bound it, release hope. They bound the darkness, they release light. So basically, they begin to release the light of God in the city. And what happened is, uh, slowly but surely, as those men of God prayed, God began to uproot the spiritual bondage and spiritual strongholds that were in that city. And now, here's what's so awesome is the one street called Hay Street was where all that stuff used to go down. That was like the main street. Now, that's where they do family events. Pretty cool, huh? I read this story years ago about, maybe about a year ago, uh, about uh, basically I think it's in Argentina or Colombia. I can't remember. Forgive me for that. But, but there was a certain uh, corner in a city uh, where there's this powerful church. But in this corner, there was always accidents and people died. I mean, literally like every month people were getting killed at this intersection. And they finally said, you know what, enough's enough. They begin to send prayer teams down to stand on that corner. And they begin to declare the word of God and begin to basically rebuke. The spirits that were in there, and guess what? It stopped. Literally after a month of praying, it was done. That's good news, yeah? All right, so let's shift gears. So we got the region, and this is when I really want all of us to really, really, really pay attention to. The, the second battlefield, and this is the one that's really more common where everybody in the room fights. It's called the battlefield of your mind. Once again, if the enemy can, can somehow come and he can gain authority in a region by the power of agreement, how much more can he do that in our own lives? If he can literally, uh, you, you know, get a whole region locked down and in captivity, then surely it's easier to get it done with us. Yes? So listen what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10. He said, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Watch this. And to destroy, what's those two words? False arguments. Don't miss this. False arguments. One of the ways that the enemy tries to influence and harass us is through false or internal arguments that are built on nothing but lies. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to read something, but, but I want you to go, okay, where's it, where's it hit home for me? Watch this, because this is going to talk to some of you. I'll give an example of eternal argument. For someone who frequently uses pornography, that person believes the internal argument that they have to use it because they cannot be fulfilled without it. Someone who suffers from rejection believes the internal argument that they are unloved by God or by others. Someone who is depressed often believes the argument that their joy is defined by circumstances. Once again, write in your script, because we all got it, right? But listen, every war that rages in our minds can ultimately be traced back to some erroneous eternal argument, some lie that the enemy has fed us and we've believed and has kept us in bondage. See, here's the deal. The enemy comes in and with his lies, he tries to convince us that we're worthless, we're powerless, 
that we're defeated, and don't miss this, and that we ultimately uh, must surrender to temptation. That's a lie. Okay? Listen, he strategically comes in and he attacks us with thoughts of fear because he's trying to defeat our courage. Right? He comes strategically and gives us thoughts of doubt so he can defeat our faith, thoughts of rejection to defeat our identity. Why? Because once again, the only way that he can gain authority because he lost it when he got kicked out of heaven is if we come into agreement with him. Now, here's what's awesome about this. Watch this. Um, just because we're believers, it may not make us uh, you know, immune to the enemy's lies and the enemy's attacks. But what it does do is it gives us access to the power of God. Did y'all hear me? It's a great place to say, oh yeah, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Let's get him into a jig. Right? Man, we have access as children of God to the power of God. That's good news. So, so listen, with that thought in mind, I, I wanna, you know, I'm just going to say this. You know, so many people feel like, man, I need to go get deliverance. I need to go and just let people pray over me. I need to let, first of all, you just need to look within yourself and quit trying to get everybody to fight for you. Can I say that? So often we, we want somebody to come uh, lay hands on some pray for us. And the reason is because basically we're like, you, you know, I need your faith to do this. The only problem is, is they can't hate your sin. You got to hate it. They can't hate the life where you got to hate it, Right. Um, you, you know, you know, it's no different than yesterday. I, I was, uh, you know, we were, I was whatever working on my sermon, watching my son play soccer at practice, and I watched him like four times in a row, in a row, uh, just get, I mean, absolutely beat like he stole something on defense. I mean, just got used and abused. It was, and, and you know, and I and I just thought to myself, you know what? After a while, if you're really competitive, you're going to get fed up with getting beat, and you're going to figure out how to get it right. <laughs> yes. And so, I, you know, there's that tenacity that should be inside of everyone. Man, we're just tired of getting whooped. Right? I'm tired of getting beat. Man, how, how in the world do I, do I learn, grab a hold of God, learn how to stand my ground, learn how to beat this thing? Some of y'all have been getting your butts handed to you for 20 years. Same thing. Yeah? So, li- listen. So, with all that, just con- I want you to consider something. What would happen if the next time you felt rejected, if you just paused instead of doing what you always do, and get all emotional, right? What would happen if you just pause and praise, Lord, release your perfect love into my heart and set me free from rejection? Well, you know, the next time you feel, you feel uh, basically lack of faith and poverty hitting you, what happens if you just stop and say, Jesus, I thank you that you're my provider. I thank you you said I'd be blessed. You, you know, what would happen if you said, you know what, the, the next time you were tempted with lust, what are filling your blank if you just said, look, Jesus... I bind the spirit of lust in my life and release the purity and holiness of Jesus now. Listen, I just believe if we begin to pray simple prayers and we just, and we just meet the enemy, that after a while, guess what's going to happen? We're going to get victory in Jesus' name, right? Why? Because the, it's like, listen, if we pray that with a sincere heart, man, the power of God is going to help us overcome that. Yeah, it's like basically if we don't think that can happen, it is like saying, well, well Satan is more powerful than God. No, I have a will and I can submit this way. Or I can submit this way. Right? Submit to God. Resist the devil. Yes? What the Bible says. So, so listen, let me kind of give you this and, and we'll move on. This is key. The, the only way that we can really win in this battlefield, talking about the battlefield of our mind, and the same goes for region, but it's ultimately by rejecting the lie. 
You, you know, so often when we, when we work with people, counsel people, it's really helping them identify the lie that they believed. If you can somehow help them identify the lie that they believed, then you can bring that thought into captivity, like Paul said. And what, you know, how do you bring that, that, that thought into captivity? Once again, by believing the word of God and by applying the word of God to my life. Yes? And once I do that, guess what? Here's what's so awesome. If I can abide with God and if I can abide, abide in his word, then guess what? The power of God will defeat that thing. No, I'm beating that horse, but I just want you to see that. Number three. Here we go. Here we go. Number three. <laughs> so the third thing is this, is we need to recognize our access. We need to recognize our access. Now, what in the world am I talking about? Gang, it does, it does no good if we're Noah and we make that transition over there to God. It does us no good to enlist into the army of God if we don't know how to get in the fight. Right? Does us no good. It's like, it's like you guys that uh, have been in the military, you guys that really like sports. It's like going to practice again and again and again, and then going, going to, uh, you know, whatever, to Arizona and doing training, 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 until you get trained out, practiced out, and you never get in the game. How fun is that? Right? So, so I want to talk to you about how you get access real quick. Ephesians 6. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Folks, the day of evil is here. Okay? It says, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith, which is able to extinguish all those flaming arrows that cause distractions. Oh, those old Indians <laughs> of the evil one. And then it says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Let me start right there. So often, Cheryl's talked to us about this before. Uh, we, we think of sword of the spirit like we got big caliber. how you say that thing, whatever. You know, I'm talking about King Arthur, right? Am I right? That's this massive sword, and that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a dagger. And, and you've got to understand that the reason it's a dagger is because a dagger is designed for close-up, really face-to-face personal combat. God is saying, look, you're going to get close to the enemy. You're not going to be at some distance. You're going to get up close where you can feel him, you can smell him, you can you know, follow me. So, so then it says this. Watch this. It says, take the helm of salvation and sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18, here's our access, and here's why we put on the armor of God. Everybody's getting up praying these things, and then they never get in the war. Here's how you get in there. And pray. And pray. Why do we put on the armor of God? Is it to look pretty? No, it's to pray. It's to pray. Now, watch, watch this. It goes on to says, Paul says, pray for me so that when I go, thou know what to say. So there's an evangelistic part of this. Also, we fight the enemy through our worship, through our prayer. We fight the enemy through the preaching of the word, which is evangelism. But we also fight him first and foremost in the prayer closet. Because if you don't pray and you try to go evangelize, you're going to get it handed to you, sons of Sceva, right? You're going to get it handed to you. So you better be prayed up. So listen, let me just say this, and then I'll, I'll wrap this thing up. I remember the first time... Uh, I encountered a, a, a demonic spirit, okay? And, and we, we'd been prayed up, but I was too young to realize this world. In fact, I remember my grandmother saying, baby, d- demons ain't real. 
Okay, Grandma. Why is it in the Bible? All right, whatever. You know, Jesus dealt with them, right? She, she acted like, they, like, like somehow when Jesus died, they died. You know, it's like, okay, whatever. So, anyways, I remember, and I might have told you this before, I was down in Mardi Gras in New Orleans, right? And you're walking, and there's that oppression. And I remember, once again, we've been praying for hours and hours and hours and hours before we went out. And I walked by this lady that was a palm reader, and I just said, how you doing, ma'am? And she screamed at me to the, with the top of her lungs and screamed and said, Stop judging me! And then she just started dog cussing me. I was so young and immature and didn't have a clue there was a devil talking to me. I started laughing. You know, my mama, she cussed at me all the time growing up. I was used to that stuff, right? So, so I just said, okay, whatever, right? But, but I didn't realize until like later, I was like, holy smokes, that was the, that was the devil. Right? Because I wasn't judging the lady. Anyways, so watch this. The next time I encountered demonic spirit, I remember being at somebody's house. This is so cool. I was uh, at somebody's house. We were hanging out, and they said, hey, let's pray. We feel like we need to pray. Okay, let's pray, right? So we're praying, and we're worshiping. And then somebody in the group said, uh, man, we need to pray for our friend Julia. And I, knew, I didn't have a clue who Julia was. By the time I came to church, she had already been gone. She was a, a young girl that was on, the, was on the worship team, supposedly could sing, like, all beautiful, and, and uh, really loved God, and she walked away from the Lord. And, uh, and so basically when she walked away from the Lord, she couldn't sing anymore. She couldn't. It was like all the way right? And so we're sitting there, and they have not seen this girl in months and months and months. And we start praying for Julia that she would come back to the Lord. And while we're praying, someone knocks on the door. We had a Rhoda moment. <laughs> well, they open the door, and it's Julia standing there. You're like, holy smokes, right? And so, so she comes in, and uh, basically led her back to the Lord. Now watch this. We led her back in a prayer, basically get back in fellowship with God, and, and, and she uh, fell on her knees, and she began to dry heave like she was throwing up. And the lights went like those movies that you see, and the lights went off, went back on, and you're talking about every hair on your body standing up because you know who you was facing. It wasn't Julia anymore. The fight was on. Are y'all following me? I, I, I remember, uh, you know, when, when we were all at Covenant Love, I was there three weeks. I remember a big old boy about Ryan's size. Um, he came down the altar and he did this. And our pastor was working away praying for people, and he was just staring at him. And when pastor touched him, the guy's face contorted. Like, literally, his face shifted and moved. It, it, it did its thing. And uh, the dude started moving uh, so unhumanly, uh, you know, people don't move like he just moved. And he basically tried to climb our pastor like a tree. And, uh, well, he got tossed on the ground. And do you remember that? Yeah. So, so fast forward. So I was like, holy smokes, okay. Right? New, new little kid. You know, 21 years old. Hadn't been saved that long. And, and then I remember, uh, like, it, so that was, I think, February and, or, or maybe March. And then, then we hit... Uh, we hit Easter. Easter Sunday morning, uh, this guy came down the altar, got saved. We took him to the back room. I remember going to pray for him, and I was like, something is not right with this guy. <laughs> I looked at another pastor and, uh, that worked with Pastor Brian, and uh, he, he wasn't a pastor then, but I said, Uncle Jeff, uh, this, is, this is you, man. You got this one, right? And this dude, watch this. His eyes go white. And he begins to say, uh, he said this, Carlos isn't here. No joke, buddy. <laughs> he, he left a second ago. And um, 
and he he grabbed this guy that was a uh, big old special forces guy. I mean, the guy's chiseled as they come, and he slung that fellow across the room. Oh, okay. <laughs> Long story short, the guy ended up outside. I don't know how in the world we got outside. On his knees, couldn't see his eyeballs. Crazy. I mean, you can see it white. And uh, and he was releasing stuff. And anyways, devil finally came out of him. He came up. They led him in salvation prayer. Then he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Good day. Good day. House got clean. House got full. No, so watch this. I'm just trying to kind of give you some ideas here. I don't. Yeah, his eyes came back. He got some eyes. Is, um, you, you know, then I realized what started happening is, you know, you're praying and you start getting in that mode where you're beginning to change people's lives. God's using you. And the devil doesn't like that too much, right? And, and I remember, uh, once again, 21 years old, waking up and, uh, because I couldn't breathe. I felt like I had two hands around my neck just choking the junk out of me. Some of y'all have been there. You know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and, and so it's like, literally, you cannot breathe and you know it's a, a demonic spirit. And uh, it's like when you can finally get the name of Jesus out, gone. <laughs> right? It happened several times. I remember one night, hopefully I'm not bothering you here, just trying to give you some ideas. Um, one night, I remember sitting there, and we were, by this time, Jen and I were married. We had Caden. Caden was, I think, three years old. And Caden uh, had the tendency to bless his child, Lord, and bless us because we, it's our fault. Um, they, we didn't even realize that, that kids that didn't wear diapers in the day could wear them at night. New parents, help us. <laughs> Typically, he would, he would climb in our bed, and he would bless us. <laughs> right? I mean, literally, like, almost like... I mean, man, we, 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 we put some uh, sheets through the washing machine, man. I mean, he just, it, he, it was brutal. Anyways, so um, that's rough waking up to that stuff when you feel it, right? Anyways, if you're a parent, you know. So anyways, one night, I, I don't know, man, I was sleeping so heavy, and I woke up, and he's standing beside my bed just staring at me. <laughs> What's up, dude? Right? To freak you out, right? Freak you out. <laughs> So I basically took him, and I was like, okay, this isn't normally him, but whatever. He, he, he's our kid that would actually, he wouldn't sleepwalk. He would run asleep. No joke, run up and down the hall asleep. Nobody home. So I took him, and I, and I put him in his bed. <coughs> and I said, all right, and I went back to sleep. And I don't know, it was probably like 10, 15 minutes later, he's standing there again, just staring at me. <laughs> and I went, okay, something's up. Something's up. So I picked him up, and I'm holding him, and I just went... Son, do you see something? And he goes, I said, what do you see? And, uh, and he pointed to where it was at. And I said, what's it look like? He said, it's mean and it's black. All right. You know, at that spot, it's like, okay, I can either teach my kid fear or I can teach him faith and authority. So I said, okay, son. I said, just say this in the name of Jesus. He said, in the name of Jesus. You got to go. And he looked at me and goes, it's gone. <laughs> now, here's what's wild. The next day, he goes, Dad, he said, that thing, it was right there. He brought it up the next day. He took basically where he was laying in his bed. It was like right there to his left. And he came to get me because he's like, Dad can do something about it. Right? Are you all with me? I'm almost done. I, I'll say this. The thing that's happened, I can't figure this one out. When I was living in Fayetteville... I can't tell you how many times I would, I would have a, not the kind of guy that has reoccurring dreams, but I have this reoccurring dream. And the reoccurring dream is basically I'm in a room about, about like that, that big, something like that, maybe a little bigger, 10 by 12. 
and I'm standing there, and there's a bed behind me, a little bit twin-sized bed, and there's a, there's a teenager in the corner. And I am doing my best, speaking in tongues, declaring the word of God, trying to cast this devil out of this kid. And the thing's just laughing at me. <laughs> that, you, you know, and it's like it's mocking me. And I can tell you how many times that I would, I would wake up, and I'd wake myself up because I was praying in the spirit, and, um, and the presence of evil would be so strong in my room. I remember first I just it kind of freaked me out, and then I finally got to where uh, just put praise and worship on move. See you later, music play. I'm gone. It's like just you, <laughs> right? Am I making sense, to you guys? So I sell that. Hopefully not to bore you, but but to say this, l- listen. There there is stuff happening around you if you're aware of it or not, and we can either twiddle our thumbs and act like it's going to go away, or we can get in a fight, right? God's given us everything we need. So, listen, if we can just step in and step in with understanding of this, then guess what? That it's not by our might, not by our power, but it's by His Spirit, says the Lord. If we can step into that and understand, greater is He that's in me. I don't have to be afraid of Him, right? There's been times I've been praying and I felt Him come, right? Turn the lights on, whatever, right? Oh, he's You know, just do your thing. L- listen, you, you understand, once again, I'll be done, but, you, but it's... It's understand that, we, you know, we don't dress all up to look pretty. We dress up to get in a fight. So, listen, if you go back and read this, I'm going to give you the process that God's really telling us through Ephesians 6. It, it says uh, basically what it means to stand, to hold at bay aggressively or to stand in front of and oppose. Do you understand that that's our role in this region? That's our role for our families. This had a, had a wise man tell me one time, Quentin, if the devil can't get you, he'll go for your family. Okay? Look at the next one. The next step in this combat in Ephesians 6, once again, when you read it, the word wrestle means to engage actively in one-on-one combat. It's not everybody. It's one-on-one. Next one. Stand firm means to be found standing after an active battle. Are you seeing how it's progressing? Then the last one is this, to take your stand for the next battle. So we're going to fight. Then we have a moment of grief. Then we're going to fight. Then we have a moment of repeat. We're going to fight. Are you all with me? But understand that I'm not fighting on my own. Jesus is going to do it. Yeah? I'm going to tell you one last story just because it's coming to me. This young lady came to our church and um, one Sunday morning, and she was uh, just a mess, weeping and crying. This is in North Carolina. And she said, uh, basically, I think our pastor actually uh, received a word of knowledge and made a call for those who felt like that they were uh, basically uh, going to commit suicide. Like you just felt, man, there's somebody here that feels like, man, that they kind of came here with this, uh, if Jesus don't do something today, I'm going home and killing myself. And that girl responded to that altar call, okay? So she comes to the altar, and here's what she said. She said, my boyfriend and I were drug addicts. And, uh, and she said, basically, yesterday, I watched him. Basically, she came in her apartment, and he was sitting on the couch, and, and she watched him blow his brains out, okay? And when he blew his brains out, she watched, this girl don't believe, she watched a demon come up out of that dude and laughed at her and basically said, I'm coming for you next. You all follow me? So li- listen, once again, this is why we don't, I'm not trying to freak everybody out or anything like that, but this is why we go, you know what? Um, we could either say, man, we have an alcohol problem and a drug problem and a domestic violence problem and opiate problem. We could say all these things, but you got to understand what's behind all that. And, and that's why, listen, gang, that's why it's important that we Learn how to quit just going, uh, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me, 
Bless me. Oh, Lord, touch my wife. Touch my husband. Touch my kids. Oh, God, touch my business. We've got to understand that there's something greater happening around us. That's why, listen, our prayer meetings on Monday night, we need to pray. It doesn't need to be four people. Okay? Y'all follow me? Okay. All right. You can't just close your eyes. If I could wrap this up in one statement, what I'm saying is basically this. We spend so much time as, as the church being on the defensive of what the, God, of what the devil does. Uh, we, need to, we need to take our weapon and get offensive with the enemy. So let me just pray for you. Pray for us. Father, I'm just asking today in Jesus' name for every one of us in this room. Um, Lord, it's so easy to get distracted by the uh, fiery arrows of the enemy. And in fact, Lord, it's so easy to get so consumed with all of that, uh, Lord, that we forget who the real enemy is. So, Lord, I'm just asking right now for every person in this room, maybe that's, um, they have a person in their mind and a person in their heart. They say, yeah, I've been wasting a lot of effort, a lot of energy blaming that person. Uh, Lord, I pray that all that would just be released. Lord, if, if, they're, if they're here today and even their own uh, battlefield that's in their own mind, Lord, I'm asking today in Jesus' name that uh, just the lies and the internal arguments that we have come in agreement with, even if it's an internal argument about somebody else that we're empowering, uh, Lord, I'm just asking, God, that we would uh, receive the truth today and that we would take those lies and those thoughts captive in Jesus' name. Lord, that that uh, just spirit of depression and just... Uh, lust, all those things, God, that have held us bound, God, that those things would be broken in Jesus' name. Rejection would be broken in Jesus' name, that we would literally receive the holiness and the purity of the Lord, that we would literally receive the acceptance and the love of God in our lives. And so, Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would just begin to move in all of our hearts and begin to go down deep and do what it says in Jeremiah, begin to uproot, begin to throw down, begin to destroy things that aren't supposed to be there. And, Lord, I'm asking that you would come and you would plant your truth deeply in our hearts. And, God, that it would be so planted we couldn't help but to, be, uh, to apply it to our lives. Lord, and I pray, God, that even after Holy Spirit help us with this, because we're going to leave here today and the enemy's not going to like it. And uh, he's going to come. He's going to try to harass us and influence us. Uh, Lord, I'm just asking that you would give us the discipline to be aware, discernment to be aware, to stop and go, nope, I don't accept that. God, you said this, so thank you. I received that. Those little prayers to tear down the enemy's kingdom. The enemy's, actually what it means, the enemy's fortress, to tear that down. And so, Lord, lastly, I'm asking God as, as our house gets clean, Lord, I'm asking, God, that we would step into the war, and, God, we would take our rightful place in this region. Uh, Lord, it is not your will that uh, this place would be in bondage. It is your will that this would be a place where the name of God is known, where your name is known. God's place where your glory is known. So, Father, thank you for just preparing our hearts to be ready for war. Train our hearts. God even says to train our uh, fingers for battle, our hands for war. God, we ask you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.